Dude, what is up with Mexico soccer right now? How do you... I'm, look, I've said on this podcast before, I'm not a huge soccer follower, right? But I don't imagine El Salvador being bigger than Mexico soccer and only one goal? If you want a deeper analysis, go check out Tocando Bola Por Mientras. Plug alert. Also, in town was Money in the Bank WWE in Fort Worth. That was pretty cool. And I believe you did not go, Yanko. I did not go. I had family in town. And there was ignorance on my part. There was, uh, I didn't know it was here. But you know who is here? Right in this moment, a guest. And we've been telling everyone about this for a while on the podcast. They were gonna, we were going to start welcoming guests. We were going to start welcoming uh, people to join us. Even if it's five minutes, ten minutes, the whole podcast, your choice. So today, as a placebo for Charlie, we have the one, the only biggest Cowboy fan that listens to this podcast, Diego. What's up, Diego? How you doing? Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you uh, for having me here. Uh, ready to join this podcast and get rocking, man. Perfect. That's what we like to hear. What I don't like to hear is the fact that you're a Cowboys fan, but I'll look that over as a Christian and be your friend anyway. <laughs> but introduce yourself real quick. Who are, I already said you're a Cowboys fan. Quick uh, quick little tidbits about you. How many years have you been playing fantasy football? Why do you like the Cowboys in a nutshell and why you should leave the Cowboys to become a Raiders fan? Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've been a Cowboys fan. Uh, I'm going to say for maybe a good uh, 10 plus years. Um, I love them. You know, I love their history. Yeah, it's been a rough 20 plus years, right? <laughs> but, hey, you know, uh, I, I love all they do. Um, their franchise, you know, number one in the world. Uh, and for fantasy, I've been doing it for maybe five years. Uh, I've been in several year, uh, leagues, you know, left and right. And I'm, you know, glad to join the one that, you know, we have here set up in uh, El Paso. So this year, this is Diego's first year in the FFF. I was asked to bring on what I thought was a solid player. So a guy that could take it serious, a guy that's a contributor. And I've played with him in a couple of leagues. He's been a commissioner, a co-commissioner. If you guys remember, I don't remember the exact episode, but I talked about a league where I was a one and done. I came in. I was kind of like Tom Brady. I came in first year, won the Super Bowl, talk smack after the fact, didn't get drunk on avocado tequila. However, when I did talk to smack, I was kicked out. And this is the guy that got kicked out from commissioner for bringing me in. It almost feels like. But regardless, he's a cool cat. Welcome. You said uh, fantasy. You said Dallas. Now, you know and acknowledge the fact that Dallas hasn't been stellar in the last 20 years. But did I catch right that you've only been a fan of the Cowboys for the last 10? Or was it – how does that work? What what attracted you to the Cowboys? Is it because you live here? Yeah, that was, I think, one of the main things that uh, that brought me on. Uh, and then after that, just the, the history, you know, the, the amount of success that they had in the 90s. Uh, uh, I was only, you know, what, seven, eight years old at that point. So I wasn't able to really keep in touch with, with the Super Bowl wins, you know. But, uh, yeah, just their history was the one thing that, that won me. Yeah, I like people who live in the, in their history, right? I mean, 
who cares about the relevancy now? However, <laughs> uh, the Texans could have been also a team uh, to play in. And you know what's trending, Josh, is according to Rappaport, four teams who could pursue Watson if available for trade. This tells me that Watson's deal is either starting to be smoothed out, that teams are starting to look, that teams are interested maybe despite anything that has happened, or to a lesser degree, we've seen worse accounts of people who have maybe, and we condone it as a whole, have done domestic violence, things against the opposite sex that are gross, that are detrimental, that are by any means negative. And first and foremost, we're going to come out and say that we don't support it. However, for the business of the NFL, and we've talked about it on the podcast, the NFL is a business. Are you surprised that teams would still pursue Watson? No, because as a football player, and I think we all agree, everything you just mentioned, Yanko, <clears throat> as a football player, he's a great quarterback, and there's not a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFL. Anytime a team is looking for one and one becomes available, especially as a superstar player that Deshaun Watson is, uh, teams are always going to figure out a way to get that get that player on board. Um, perhaps is there a lot of lawsuits or is there a lot of money that is being paid to keep hush-hush? Perhaps. Um, have teams done their due diligence? Perhaps. If this wouldn't have happened, could he already have been traded? Yes, most definitely. But uh, these are the circumstances, and I think rather sooner than later, uh, not to compare the both, but it seems that Deshaun Watson is not coming back to the Houston Texans. So you very honest... different than A Rod, right? A Rod oh, is like, you know, Deshaun Watson's dug in, even with the heap of trouble that he's in legally and his reputation that it took a toll. Uh, he's dug in. He wants out, and you, it seems that if if he if he sits out the rest of the year, if he if he does a Carson Palmer. Not that he retires, but if he just sits out the whole year and, and a suspension looms, he's willing to take that gamble and just wait it out. And I, I like the fact that you brought up Rodgers as circumstantially, not necessarily the same situation, but mm -hmm. situation-wise as a quarterback not coming back to the team. Again, right. completely diff big difference in why they're not coming back. But nowhere near is Rodgers on the same podium or... Rodgers is on a podium and Watson isn't, right? right? But you firmly believe that if it weren't uh, the case of the legalities or legal issues that Watson has been going with or going through, that he would have been on a different team already? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think no amount of uh, or a price wouldn't be too far-fetched either. Teams would have lined up to give the Houston Texans perhaps – what they were asking for, whether it be two, three, four first round picks, without a shot of a doubt, the teams would have pulled the trigger. But and Diego, you, you, I saw you nod and you said yes. You also believe the same thing. Oh yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, still some teams that are would be interested. You know, the the two that I still have in mind that would go for them would be um, the Broncos. And then you're still, um, not your Steelers, I'm sorry, your Raiders, you know, because. Uh, Interesting. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Derek Carr, you know, he's a he's a good quarterback, but I think having Deshaun Watson would elevate your team a lot. Uh, and for the Broncos, I mean, I just, you know, I don't like their quarterback. I don't think he's he can carry that team completely to a to a playoff uh, a win. So, from a, a non fan perspective, you mentioned two teams in the AFC West, which I I totally respect because if you look at the AFC West, you've you're composed of Patrick Mahomes. Potentially, arguably, the best quarterback in the NFL right now in regards to winning, athleticism, and combining it all statistically, right? And then you've got Justin Herbert, young dude, mobile, starting to come to fruition. The other team, which eludes me right now, I, I'm well, it doesn't elude me. Denver hasn't really come out to say, this is our guy. So far, maybe it's Drew Locke. And then you've got Derek Carr. The reason I bring that up is because Derek Carr has been substantially better than, slightly better than mediocre. He's held his ground. He's he's been good. He hasn't been to the point where you would feel like I think I would feel like if I were a Rams fan with Jared Goff and how Jared Goff was doing. Which, by the way, I'll, a little teaser for Jared Goff. There was a Seattle Seahawks cornerback that had some choice words about Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff. But we'll talk about yep. that in a bit. I can see where you're coming from, Diego, but now I'm going to put my fan hat on. Okay. Derek Carr has been nothing but consistent and has, since his MVP caliber season in 16, I think, Josh? I think it was 16? Correct. You, we've seen the mental obstacles that he's had coming back from injury, but it's been a steady increase. Not only that, Derek Carr... Is cheaper than Watson. And the Raiders' salary cap and a lot of the things that they're doing have been questionable. I'm not going to try to justify some of their decisions like signing Kenyon Drake for two years, 11 mil. Craziness. But I can respect the opinion that comes from an outside perspective. Let me ask you this as a Cowboy fan, since you're a guest on our show, Diego. If we move aside the legal situation that Watson has, would you have taken Deshaun Watson for cheaper than what you got Dak for? In a heartbeat. I mean, I don't. Uh, I mean, I have to respect the the decision of the team, right? Which is the Cowboys. But uh, I I am not a uh, Dak Prescott fan. Uh, I, I think he's you know an average quarterback. So I don't think he's going to be able to take us to the next level uh, with um, CQ Elliott the way he's been playing. It's it's going to be where we go either eight or nine wins. So having the Deshaun Watson in our team, I could definitely see, you know, going to that additional playoff game uh, for your, and I, and I want you to put me on the spot on this one, right. Uh, with, with Derek Carr situation, you know, and how he's playing, you know, you say he's above average in some way, how many playoff uh, games has he taken your team? You know, and it's not, it's not throwing a stab. It's just, you know, comparing, let's say, you know, Dak Prescott and Derek and Derek Carr, right? You know, how many wins do they have in differences, or not not more about percentages, touchdowns, or anything like that, but just the wins, the winning part. So from from that, you know, that's where I get kind of like my my idea of you know, you have to move on from the player at one point. You know, it's just, it's going to be the the same thing over and over, and it's like we need to turn the page. We need somebody that can transform the team from one day to another, you know, and that that would be Deshaun Watson. You're going to get two perspectives 
on this podcast, we've both said, or I've said, that I'm the optimistic Raiders fan and that Josh is the pessimistic Raiders fan. Realistic. And then he replaces Re- the word pessimistic realist. with realistic. Because he's a realist. But I'll let you go first, Yinko. Exactly. I have an answer for that, but <laughs> yeah, I'll let yeah. you go first. Here's Here's my thing. I firmly believe, to answer your question about playoffs, he hasn't won a playoff game. However, if he would not have gotten injured, and ifs and whats, if they were candy and nuts, the whole world would have some, right? If and when he wouldn't <laughs> have not gotten injured, I firmly believe he would have beaten the Texans in Houston in that AFC wildcard the year in 2016. I will go out to say that they would have made it to the AFC championship with how that team was playing that year. Not Super Bowl, but made it to the AFC Championship. AFC Championship would have been up in the air because they would have run into some pretty high-caliber teams in 2016. But when I say above-average mediocre, I look at it this way. There's 32 te- there's 32 teams in the NFL. That means there's 32 quarterbacks. I can put Derek Carr at least at 15. 16. In there. Because if you're going to tell me that the likes of Jared Goff, the likes of Daniel Jones, the likes of quarterbacks, I'll even say Cam Newton this year and last year. Sam Darnold with the Jets, not what he's going to come up to be. Avoiding the 2021 season because it hasn't happened yet. Where it's at, I think it's heavily debatable that I could put Derek Carr in the middle of the pack. And when I say middle, that's what I mean by average. Now, when you're comparing comparing our number four, Las Vegas number four, to Dallas number four, statistically, and this is where Charlie's really good at keeping these types of things in mind and numbers and whatnot. Statistically, Dak has had to put up monster numbers because of, a, I think, a lack of defense. Not saying that the Raiders haven't had a great defense, but the Raiders seem to find themselves in two problems to, for the majority of the time. Either A... They get blown out, so there's no reason to catch up. Or B, they have to score a lot of points to win because our defense sucks. And I think that's where some of the similarities start joining between who Dak is as a member of the Dallas Cowboys team, not as a player, and having to put up monster numbers because the defense lacks and where Derek Carr has to do that. In addition to weapons, and not to go down a rabbit hole, but in general, that's where... I think I stand. I, not I think I know I stand with Derek. Now, Josh, can give his realistic point of view. So, you're gonna see that Diego Diego does a PowerPoint presentation and doesn't really answer the question. Um, I withheld three oh. weeks <laughs> without a PPP. <laughs> okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right to it. First, your your comparison I think is fair, Diego. Um, and it's, you're right. It's not all, all about numbers. Uh, it's, it's, uh, winning, winning cures everything, right? He could have a quarterback's going to have a terrible performance during the year, but during the season, but if they turn that around in the playoffs, then you forget what they do the regular season, right? That's what matters. But for the sake of argument, let's just focus on statistics for now. Okay. Now, of course, there's that one year outlier, that car towards the end of the season got injured. And then you have Dak Prescott who last year got injured. So the numbers could be a little bit inflated, 
but of course, Derek has been around since 2014 and Dak 2016. 2016. So, but just to add context to it, uh, Derek has thrown 26,896 yards, uh, 170 touchdowns and 71 interceptions. Um, Dak Prescott has thrown for 17,634 yards, 106 touchdowns and 40 interceptions. Uh, Dak's completion percentage rate is 66%, like 66 flat. And Derek's is 64.4. Now, I do agree with you that there, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to make a decision. And it seems the Lions made that decision because I find a lot of similarities between Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr. Why? Both of them never won anything. Uh, Matthew Stafford led his team maybe a couple of times to the playoffs, but never won anything. Um, and But he was a great st statistical quarterback, right? He had all the intangibles, blah, 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 blah. And whether we think it was either because of the Lions' ineptitude in surrounding him with the right coach or the right offense or a complementary defense or flaming out on a bunch of draft picks or perhaps playing in the NFC North where A-Rod is there and Chicago has remained relevant and Minnesota has been competent, that's the hand that was dealt through Matthew Stafford, right? A lot of stuff is, is out yeah. of his control. I think that's where the parallel is with Derek Carr. Uh, I'm not defending him because sometimes it does frustrate me, but I think sometimes I got to be a, a realistic person and say, and I told Charlie this, um, that the Raiders are relevant last year and the year before because of Derek Carr. If you remove Derek Carr from that equation, and that's not saying much because the Raiders didn't win anything, right? But Derek Carr made the Raiders relevant. Derek Carr made the, the team competitive. We had a terrible defense. And it was a lot of the mindset that we got to go score 30 points to even, even try to survive this game. Not like what Patrick Mahomes is doing because Patrick Mahomes is at another level, right? But that's the Chiefs. They put it all on Mahomes and, hey, you know what? Our defense is gonna, not going to make a lot of stops. We don't know how to run the ball. So, Patrick, it's on you. It's something similar to Derek as well. Uh, I think if you remove Derek Carr from the equation – I don't have the confidence in John Gruden molding a younger quarterback and saying, you know what? I got it. I'm going to, I'm going to take you to the promised land. So to me, if you remove Derek Carr from this equation, it's a worse disaster than what John Gruden's tenure and Mike Mayock's tenure has been thus far. I, I like to believe it like this. This year is a prove it year. No more excuses, no more draft picks, uh, you already traded a team. You re re retooled the offensive line. You brought in another defensive coordinator. It's not all on Derek, but at the same time, I think the standard at least is playoffs. If you don't make playoffs this year, I'm done hearing excuses. And if you have to blow up the team again, so be it. Because I'm done. I, you know, and I think Dak, Dak is Dak. Dak has one more right, but I think between both. Um, and, and it's not an excuse, but look at where the division was in the, in the NFC East, right? The NFC East and the AFC West are two complete different divisions, right? It, it seems now yeah. that the NFC East is kind of being retooled. And last year, Washington probably won out of default because of that great defense. Because the Giants sucked, the Eagles sucked, and the Cowboys didn't have deck, right? So it's like, okay, who wants to win it, Right. It's up for grabs, but 
it, I, I get what you're saying. I personally would stick with Derek, you know, because he, he is cheaper. They gave him the whole thing right now, but it's a prove-it year. After this year, I'm not saying that I'm done with Derek, but what do you got, bro? Because I, I don't like to be mediocre. I mean, in, 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 the, in the football perspective, right? You're either winning or you're not. Don't, don't sell me on next year. Don't tell me that we progressed, that we won one more game, and that Derek's uh, performance is a little bit better. Nah. Now we're in the now. What are you going to do, right? So I do agree in, in that regard, right? Um, but that's my perspective. And you see, that's why sometimes Yanko's and Charlie's perspective on the Raiders is, like, completely different. Because Yanko, you know, has his perspective and I have mine. But – I, I just think I've just been tired, man. I'm tired of losing all the time, bro. There was a small glimpse that I got of the glory days in the early 2000s. And that was it. But that was eons ago, right? So, and then not to mention that we're playing in a division where Patrick Mahomes <laughs> is there. And now if Justin Herbert hopefully has a sophomore slump, but he's not going away. So He's a beast, man. Justin Herbert. So if Charlie would be here, I'm, I'm sure going Charlie be on that one. all over Justin, right? So a lot of interesting takes, man. It's, but. So two things. Uh, irony, A, you mentioned Derek Carr and Matthew Stafford. Um, well, the last playoff or one of the last playoff games that Matthew Stafford participated in were against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So that's interesting. Two, in the game they should have won. In the game they should have won. We've talked about it. In a game they should have won. Two, uh, the mere fact that we're comparing Stafford, and I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you, Josh, in comparing Carr to Stafford. I would venture out to say, hot take alert. Boo, 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 boo. I think Derek would get, would have good trade value in the league. I think he would. I think he would get good trade value. I really think he would. Uh, for for who he is and who he's been and what he can be. Uh, while we're talking about the Raiders, and this isn't a full Raiders podcast, but we welcome talking about the Raiders. Thank you, Diego, for bringing it up, and it wasn't us. <laughs> uh, as of today, right before we got, on, we got on air, the Raiders president, Mark Bedane, resigned. And we have a new interim president. I don't think it has anything to do. I haven't had a chance to really read up on it. I know that Bedane was with the league for a good while now. Or not the league, in the Raiders organization, better said. So was Ventrell. He's going to serve as interim president. I'm not going to call it part of the... Or say that it's smoke within the organization. I think it's just changed. I think Mayock and Chucky are going to continue to kind of run the show and the president must have just stepped back and done his own thing but needed to address the fact that the Raiders president resigned today nothing to do with players or what's coming up expectations for the Raiders I'm right there with Josh I'm gonna be I'm gonna throw on my realistic realistic hat on but I'm gonna wear it backwards because I'm still optimistic a little about it but good good topics great topics so far so good Diego you brought up a conversation starter. We went from Deshaun, a little bit of Aaron, stuck in the AFC West. And I will say this. If you want to trade divisions, if you want to send the Cowboys to the AFC West, <laughs> I will definitely join the NFC East. 
and let's see how you guys fare in the AFC West. We'll definitely do that. But let's talk about another quarterback. Let's talk about a guy who won a Super Bowl with basically no MCL. Tom Brady reportedly, it came out within the last couple of days that he played the season, won a Super Bowl, and got surgery to repair an MCL uh, in his leg. At the age he is performing at the level he is, do you guys think this this brings up a higher, makes the pedestal even higher for Tom Brady? Oh yeah, he's the he's a, the true goat man for for football. Uh, I honestly I question whenever he was uh, he was looking for a team specifically the Buccaneers, uh, just because I didn't see that as a as a good you know playoff team, but you know the way he carried that team and then. You know, working through that, you know, injury, which is horrible. And I don't think a lot of people would, or a lot of quarterbacks would even dare to even go through that, right? It just shows you, you know, his leadership, his uh, his love for football, and just, you know, giving it everything. And that's something that a lot of quarterbacks won't do. So, yeah, it's a true goal. Yeah, that's a that's a great take, Diego. And I'm, I'm sorry to, like, just completely change uh, for a little bit, just topics a little bit, but do my ears deceive me? Do my eyes deceive me? Are we making a an appearance by Charlie himself? What's up, Charlie? How you doing? What's up, man? Sorry, I'm super late. I'm not sure what time you guys started. Uh, had a few things I had to finish urgently and uh, have a little bit of extra time, so here I am. Perfect, perfect. Diego, Charlie, Charlie, Diego, this is up, your commission. And one, as said earlier in the podcast, one of the best commissions you'll ever play under. So don't mess it up. Anyway, <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. Charlie, we were just, I just started the conversation about the news came out within the last couple of days and how Tom Brady pay, played with a injured MCL. Yeah, man. Does that elevate Tom Brady's pedestal of greatness? Because he played and won a Super Bowl with a first year team with an injured MCL. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, I do. I, I must say that play sometimes as fans, we forget that towards the end of the year, every player that says is a hundred percent is not really a hundred percent for the normal human. They're probably running at 60, 70% from what we could do. And we'd probably barely be able to get through. Uh, but needless to say what Tom Brady did, I mean, MCL? Are you, are you kidding me? I have a friend who just tore his ACL uh, two weeks ago, and he's having surgery, and boy can barely walk. So I can't. I just can't imagine how he he got through that. And then to win the Super Bowl, ooh, much respect to him, no doubt about it. At least in my case, I, I I have him way higher now. I think it just speaks volumes to his mental stability, like his his discipline and what he does mentally to carry his body to carry his sharpness and to execute on the field just continues to grow his legacy what do you think josh i'm on the opposite side of the fence with this oh and i'm going to tell you why when a goat is a goat and we're talking about the greatest of all time um in my eyes, there's nothing else that he can do. Once you claim the goat, that's it. There, there, there's no enhancing it. There's no giving it steroids for it to grow. 
So I think Tom Brady does this sometimes. And, and I'm going to make reference here with, with Shannon Sharp. And not because he said it. He said it a while back in a different instance. But I think Tom Brady is a, he's a GOAT. Let, let me make that crystal clear. He's a GOAT. But there's no need to enhance your legacy anymore. And to prove that, Charlie just made the point for me. How many players are banged up towards the end of the season that don't say anything? Now, they do that with a tactic. And it's considered illegal to a certain degree in the NFL because if a player has an injury, you have to state it in the injury report. But of course, the moment you put it in the injury report, you're making the opposing team aware of that injury. And not that they're going to target it, but they know, right? It's almost like sharks smelling blood. They're going to attack that to a certain degree. So Tom Brady maybe kept it hushed for, for that benefit. But I'm like, bro, I already know you're great. You won the Super Bowl. You did something that nobody gave you credit for. You went with a crappy team in the Buccaneers. You, you took them. You turned that whole franchise around. You beat the unstoppable Chiefs at their own game because of a great defense and great quarterback play by Tom. You don't got to give me any other story, another any other incentive for me to elevate your greatness. To me, I, I'm not going to say that it's petty, but I'm like, come on, you know, what, what does it do? It does nothing for you because your, your status is already met, right? And I'm not a doctor. I'm not a surgeon. But an MCL compared to an ACL is night and day, right? MCL strains, not that they're not painful. I've never had one. But an ACL strain, you're pretty much, you're done. You're not going to be able to move. You're going to have to have rigorous training to come back. Not to say that an MCL is not, but it's very different. Now, another thing too, um, how fast is Tom Brady? Is, is he athletic? Uh, I think is he's he a tad like faster than five Manning. You're running two miles an hour. It's not to say, right, that he doesn't – it's not his planting leg to throw the football because you need to use that, right? Mechanics, whatever. And he's like a little sneaky in the pocket where he kind of moves around kind of like Peyton Manning, right? Happy feet. He kind of rolls around, but come on, you know, I, th that's how I, that's how I take it. No, I, that's how but, I see But it. at what, at, at what point do, do we get, are we happy as fans though? Cause I remember two years ago, three years ago when LeBron lost the championship two, it turned out that he, after he lost, they turned out that he had, like, was it his wrist that he broke or something like that? Completely different sport. But it came out, the news came out that he was hurt. And then it was more like an excuse. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I totally get where you're coming from, Josh. I just feel still pretty respectful to see what I, and I get, you can't add a lot more, but I think you can. I really think you can, because it'll be something else that goes in the books and you think and say, and he did it with the sprained MCL. I mean, regardless, it just still shows that he does have super extra great abilities. And that diet that he's on must be working. And everybody, everybody knows that, right? I mean, because it, it's almost like he kind of goes out of his way to tell you, hey, you know what? I'm great. And by the way, I did this. I did this. I did that. And to top it all off, my MCL was sprained. So, I think that, so a little arrogance go. is what you're saying? A little arrogance? No, I'm not going to say arrogance. I just think I'm like, I don't. You know, it, it, it does nothing for me. We already know he's great. 
He's the greatest of all time. And it's not because of Super Bowls, but he just proved it when he went to Tampa, right? There, there is nothing else that you need to write in your novel. I already know your story and your football legacy. And that's it, right? You don't have to give me anything else. I think for, for some, it's, that's going to be the defining line. Who put it out there? Because if it's Tom that puts it out there, that plays to Josh's point. If it's maybe his publicist, he has nothing to do with it. And let's, for sake of argument, he's humble Tom, which we all know he isn't, but he's humble Tom. Then, okay. Okay, but it's definitely a topic to think about. Josh, great take. I like the the realism bleeding out of your Raider fandom and into other topics. That's that's perfect. As we continue to go around the NFL, there's a couple of headlines that came up. For example, the Steelers signing Melvin Ingram. Now, this signing, it's a one-year contract. I think it's veteran minimum, so I haven't really brushed up on the on the contract details. I'll start off by saying I think this is a great signing for the Steelers. They lost Bud Dupree uh, to a contract in Tennessee. The Steelers have a tendency to have great defenses. And when you bring a player like Melvin Ingram, who as a Raiders fan, we got to see him twice a year. I really feel like the offense in Las Vegas or back then Oakland to a degree really had to taper their offense around this guy. This guy was a staple for the Chargers in many ways, starting from the linebacking linebacker level up to the secondary because if he he could play both ends or he was already in the backfield making a tackle for a loss or sacking your quarterback if he had if he doesn't have to take a leadership role here in regards to the plain physical attribute of it but it's just a captain directing traffic in the defensive backfield and brings that veteran leadership to the locker room i think this is a win for the steelers what say you guys I completely agree with you, Yanko, to a certain extent, in the sense that this defense, was it good? Heck yeah. The Bud Dupree is a, is a big loss, and I do feel it's a good addition to bring a guy like Ingram. I think it'd be naive to think that this Ingram was the Ingram that you guys saw twice a year, too, though. I think his injury track record has started to show in the last, I think, what was it, two years? Maybe the director's cut can get that part a little bit more in detail. But I believe I read a stat yesterday because I know I know the Niners were interested too, and I know the what was another team that has a good pass rush. Forgetting me at the, at the moment, but they he he doesn't have a sack in like his last like fifteen or sixteen games or something like that. So he's definitely not as good as he might have been a few years ago. But for a team like the Steelers, as a situational pass rusher, those old school pass rushers that just come in and all they need to do is go after the quarterback when the game is on the line. I like it. I like it very much. And a team like Pittsburgh can afford to take up on a player that doesn't need to be premier anymore like it used to be back in the day. I'm going to go with what you said, Charlie, and use the word situationally. I think that's key. There you go. Situational yeah. guy. And that's perfect. Yep. what you say, Josh? I think I hate to agree with you guys, but um, I think it was a perfect scenario for him going to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh had 54 sacks last year. Uh, they were sacking everybody and their mom. And TJ Watt led the, led the force, <laughs> 15 sacks. Um, Melvin Ingram right now is a situational quarterback. When all you're going to ask is, 
not an every down. He, I don't think he's an every down kind of player anymore, but considering that defense that they have, um, he can be that person. Hey, I need you to go third down. I need you to chase the quarterback and bring him down. I think it's a perfect situation for, for Malvin Ingram. And to make reference of what Charlie said, he didn't have a sack at all last year. Um, he had in 2019, he had seven sacks, 2020, zero sacks. So it just kind of goes to show you, you're not asking him to be that guy anymore. You're not asking him to be the, the top end rusher that he was in LA or in San Diego. Now you're asking him to be a complimentary piece to already a very good defense that sacks the quarterback at a high rate and already has those pieces in place. You're just plugging in that other little number and chase the quarterback. So it's a perfect situation. In opposing to a team that needs to elevate their sacks, then I think you would be asking too much for Melvin Ingram at this particular and it's not to make so, reference of this, but it's like, let's say if the Raiders sign Melvin Ingram and you're expecting t- double digit sacks. No, because he's not that guy anymore. He, he, he can't do that. But if you pop him, or let's say another one, and it's not to tube Charlie's horn and get him all warm and fuzzy. But if the Niners <laughs> would have gotten him, then I would have said, yes, that makes perfect sense because he's going to be a complimentary piece. He's not going to be asked to be the every down defensive end that he was, you know, a few years ago. So, so Josh and Yanko, because I know, I know reading in the forums, there was chatter for a while there that he might've gone to the Raiders. There was talk. I know Raiders fans were knowing this, Yanko, I don't know if you were aware about the fact that he hadn't gotten sacks last season, knowing that would that have changed your mind on wanting to get him? Cause I feel like it, 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 Josh said it perfectly. I think slightly. And this is where I'm still, I still would have been in favor of, let's say he doesn't get those sacks. But because of his defensive awareness, his experience, the captain leadership level that he could bring to the field, if he positions Max Crosby in a position during a couple of plays in a game or throughout the season to elevate his sack total, to get, in this case, Ngakwe to elevate his sack total, to put the other linebackers around him in a situation where they make a defensive pass uh, block or if they get an interception, you know, if he puts people in situations where they succeed at their craft, I think that shows on the tape and that resonates for a positive attitude and morale boost for the guys around him. And I think that's what he should do or can do in, in Pittsburgh. You guys hit it right. Situationally is what this guy is doing. And I think that's why he took a flyer on a league minimum or a one-year contract. I'm sure he had offers from other teams to do that. But you're going into a team, let's remember, the Steelers went 11-0, right? You've got a Watt brother, is it Watt? Yeah, a Watt brother there who is wreaking havoc. You're playing in a division where you're going to be competitive. Let's say he would have gone to the Raiders. Fact of the matter is, if he goes to the Raiders, he's not really going to make, I don't think, that much of a difference to get the Raiders from where they were defensively to elevate them past the Chiefs, to elevate them to win the AFC West. I think him being with the Steelers puts him in a place where he can elevate the defense of it to produce a little more because they already have key components there. It might it might be a little bit different, but let's see. I think it's just, this is the same thing, right? Even though he had slightly a little bit shorter career. 
But if I tell you guys, hey guys, what do you guys remember Sean Merriman? Lights out Sean Merriman. With the Chargers or with the Bills? What are you going to say? Chargers. Chargers, right? He played three years with the Bills. Three years with the Bills. Wow. I'm seeing it right now. And he only got two sacks for those three years. That was after and the Chargers? San, that was after the Chargers. Okay. And in San Diego, or when it was San Diego then, he was. that's why they called him Lights Out. He wreaked havoc galore because he was that guy. Him and Sean Phillips would come out of the edges and tear it up. But I think Melvin was very smart in that sense, that he didn't seek out the money like a money grab, right? Although he has made money, but he, he wasn't like, oh, let me go to that situation because I know I can cash out for one last time. And this team is super desperate. Because I think at that point, you live on the name that you were before, not on the now. So maybe him going to Pittsburgh, he had to wait a little bit longer, but going to Pittsburgh again will be a, a complimentary piece. But I what agree. do you say, Diego? You've been quiet, Diego. What, 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 are, what are your thoughts? Simply give us, Diego. Do you agree or disagree? <laughs> So, I mean, uh, I don't know too much about uh, the player, right? I've heard of him, but I don't really keep up with him. But based on what I've read, right, so he's uh, he's looking to compete, you know, up, you know, from the other side to TJ Watt. Uh, so he's definitely going to help that, you know, defense a lot of solidify it, right, make it stronger. Uh, if, you know, if he had came to the, to the Cowboys, I think he would have made it a lot better. Uh, he does have, you know, uh, some injuries and you know under his belt, so that's where kind of like I, maybe some teams will back away. Uh, but you know, I think he can definitely improve uh, the team, even if he's not a starter. He's definitely gonna push him to become better. Well said, well said, and I like how you like applied it. it towards the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to a, dif- <laughs> a different defensive player, and I'm a little taken back by this. I, maybe I just missed it completely and you guys picked up on it. But there's been some traction gaining for potential trade packages in Miami to depart Miami. And this being cornerback Xavier Howard. Have you guys seen this? That Xavier Howard nope. could potentially, or at least the fact that this could this could happen. So following BR Gridiron, which is Bleacher Reports uh, Gridiron, they put out some potential packages to see where he could quote-unquote, land. I'll give you guys some examples. If he goes to New Orleans, the Saints receive Xavier Howard and the Dolphins were to receive a 2022 first-round pick. Is Xavier Howard worth a a first-round pick straight up? I personally don't think so. Let's do a quick, a a little quick roundabout. Josh, do you think so? Yes or no? No. Diego, do you think so? Yes or no? I think so. Uh, I think that that helps, uh, you know, and as I think he, he was a starter for, for the Dolphins, right? Yeah, he and is. And him along with uh, the, the Cowboys player, the cornerback that left us a couple, uh, was it two Byron years Byron Jones? Uh, yeah, Byron I think they, they were doing pretty good. So, yeah, I would give up a first round for him. Charlie, is he worth a first rounder? If I'm a good team and I know I'm going to have a high, a late first round pick, yes. By that, I mean like 28 to 32. If not, no. A successful team. I like that. I like that. The Eagles receive Xavier and Howard, and the Dolphins receive a 2022 second-round pick and tight end Zach Ertz. This is one I actually mm. support a little more. 
because you're unlo- as an Eagles organization, you're unloading Zach Ertz, whatever money he has left on his contract. It's a second round pick. I don't agree with the first round pick solely because I don't think he's Jalen Ramsey. I don't Do think, you think his numbers are exploited though. Anymore. All right. Yes. Go ahead, Charlie. No, no. Go, go ahead and go ahead and mention that. I'll, I'll mention no, it's a different point. No, I, I think his numbers are exploited because it didn't dawn on me. But he had ten interceptions this last year. Yeah, he, that's why I said he had a career year. He had a career so year. So one career doing, year. Yeah, because other one. than that, his other his other Pro Bowl was in 2018 when he had seven. And then from there, nothing else. So, and this year, since it was his career year, he made first team All Pro. Now, wait, how so much he of has that? Two, two. Two what? So two, two good years, because because seven's not bad. I mean, no. In 2017, he had four. But this year was uh, when he was first team All Pro and he was selected to the Pro Bowl. Uh, the only other Pro Bowl he made was 2018 when he had seven interceptions. But my question to you guys is this. A lot of the times, not with that, we measure cornerbacks by interceptions because, yes, that is a measuring tool, right? Uh, But at the same time, uh, the good ones don't have a lot of interceptions because they don't throw their way. Example, Jalen Ramsey. Or another example, I could go down the list, is Stephon Gilmore. However, how much of this product, and it's not for Diego now to get all warm and fuzzy, but how much of this is Xavier Howard or how much of this is Byron Jones? Just saying. You're saying that Byron Jones, because he's not getting picked on, they're throwing Howard's way. It might be the case. Now, I know 2018 is the outlier because he had seven interceptions then, and obviously Byron Jones wasn't there. But you still have to kind of factor that in. Right? How many interceptions does Byron Jones have last year? If I'm not to put you on the spot. Because I think it's an check absolute. check that out. While he figures Absolutely. that out. While he figures that out. As a Cowboys fan, Diego, do you want this guy in your division? If you were to go to Philly, uh, no, I wouldn't. I, I honestly, I do think he's a really good player, but the package deal that you mentioned that uh, Philly's trying to give uh, for him, I wouldn't do it. Uh, I would trade a first round, but a second round and Ertz, uh, I wouldn't do that just because. I feel like Ertz still has something in the tank. And yeah, he has a horrible uh, you know, uh, deal with, with what he's getting paid, right? But I, I wouldn't do it for those two. Teaser, teaser, is Ertz still a fantasy tight end? We'll get back to that because we're going to talk a little bit of fantasy tight end down the road. Byron so Jones had two to... interceptions last year. Just to answer your question, two. Charlie. Two. Two. While you're doing that research, does that thing give you passes defended or no? That'd be something that. that I'd be that'd be curious. How many point. passes def- how many passes defended did Byron Jones have and how many did did, did uh I forgot this guy's name anyway. Xavier Howard. Howard. But uh, Howard, yeah. just going just that just that we're on the on the point. To be honest, to me the Philadelphia deal, I personally want to think Ertz has absolutely no value anymore. I don't I think Ertz really? is as I, I think Ertz, you can fetch him for a compensatory sixth round, compensatory seventh round pick nowadays because of his contract. We're gonna get into the whole fantasy later. I, I'm not saying he's not good, and I'm not saying he can't come in and score five, six touchdowns, but I don't think he has that value anymore. In the NFL, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, a couple years back, uh, Anquan Bolden left the Super Bowl champ Baltimore Ravens to go to the Niners for a sixth round pick. We've had players that you think, oh man, that guy's a beast, 
but he doesn't ultimately have that value in NFL circles. That's what I feel about Ertz. He has injuries now. We know that Goddard is the man now at the tight end position there. So I'm not necessarily sure he's really worth absolutely anything. So for me, first round pick or a second and Ertz to me is really just saying you got a second round pick. That's it. Solid points, Charlie. Solid points. I like it. Do we have Byron Jones? Yes. So Byron Jones passes defended, and this probably justifies the whole fact that they weren't throwing his direction. Um, so he had four, four passes defended, and he gave okay. the biggest completion he gave was 15 yards. Uh, yep. Xavier Howard had 20 passes defended, and the longest one that he gave was uh, 29. So, so again, I guess it, it just shows that they're both really good cornerbacks. And mm-hmm. Xavier Howard is benefiting from a guy like Byron Jones. Byron and he's Jones. Probably show, it probably shows the fact that Byron Jones is indeed covering inside of the field, and it's pick your poison kind of thing. Maybe Xavier right. Howard gets more picks, but many times you might be able to exploit the defense also. So, no, because, I, I get it. Because I of those points, point. I think it behooves – the Miami Dolphins to stick with both of those cornerbacks. Rapid fire, let's go. Cardinals receive Xavier Howard. Dolphins receive a second and a fifth round from the 2022 draft and linebacker Jordan Hicks. Let's go yes or no. Josh, yes or no? No. Diego, yes or no? No. Charlie, yes or no? If I'm the Dolphins, yes. If I'm the Cardinals, no. I agree with Charlie solely because... I think that the Cardinals are have a, a window right now, and anything they can do to make that window work would help them. Last one. Browns receive cornerback Xavier Howard. Dolphins receive a second and a fourth in 2022, and cornerback Greedy Williams. So they're giving you a replacement player for the guy that you're sending. Rapid fire, what Josh? Uh, Browns. Yes, for the Browns. Yes, for the Browns. Diego? Yeah, I would do it. And Charlie? Yes, for both sides. I think that's the best one, to be honest with you. I think yeah. that's, you think that's a, the and, best and one. And just, so, just so real quick to, to mention, by, based off of Josh's comment, if Byron Jones is as good as he is, then a guy like Reedy Williams doesn't have to be that good. And he probably can still work his, his system pretty well, just fit in the system. Plus, you're getting a second and a fourth, so it would kind of work out. True, true. And as a side note, while we're still talking about cornerbacks, there is a disgruntled cornerback in New England, guys. It's Stephon Gilmore. Something to monitor to see what happens with him as the as we get closer to the beginning of the season. Another cornerback that is not a cornerback, a safety. Maybe you know this guy, Charlie. Jimmy Ward? Yes, sir. Safety for the Niners. I'm going to quote what he said about Matthew Stafford joining the NFC West. He's the same quarterback who was on the Detroit Lions, and they still didn't go to the playoffs. And they had Megatron. What was the problem over there in Detroit? They went and traded for Jared Goff, who went to the playoffs several times and went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he lost. He went to the Super Bowl, though. I've yet to see that with Matt Stafford. Stafford's great. I believe he's a top 10 quarterback, maybe even top 5. I don't know. We'll see. I'm just going off what I see. And I see Jared Goff got those boys to the Super Bowl. How much... Wait, does that comment hold in your eyes as a Niners fan, Charlie? Better back it up. He, he <laughs> has been backing it up. He, he's been backing it up for the last three years. He, he uh, unfortunately, 
we had so many different defensive systems for a while there. The Jimmy Ward was that hybrid. I think the national audience might remember him for getting destroyed by Brandon Marshall in a Sunday night game in Levi's uh, opening season, basically. But he's developed into, in my eyes, a top five safety. If you go back and see his statistics as well, you might look back and a lot of fans will say, well, he doesn't have many interceptions. Again, Josh just mentioned it. A lot of the players that don't get targeted don't get interceptions. He's one of the best tackling safeties there are in the league. He's extremely aware in coverage, but he's the type of guy that just causes a bunch of incompletions. Can he back it up? He better back it up because to me, as a Niner fan, I, I, I've never been a fan of it. I've never been a fan of opening your mouth because to me, especially with the division rival, all you're doing is you're adding more fire. So you're adding another incentive. Dude, shut up. You, you, you already showed that you're better than the Rams. Sean McVay just cannot beat Kyle Shanahan. He, he doesn't know how to beat Kyle Shanahan. But guess what? Now, now they have another reason to come at you. Dude, for the last four, four games that the Niners have, have played the Rams, even in these two years, They've swept them. And Jimmy Ward is a big factor for that. Maybe maybe the fact that he's coming to a contract year and he wants a new contract, maybe he's trying to put himself on the spot with the whole sense that since he doesn't have a lot of interceptions and he's not the star of the Niners, maybe he wants the national audience, the, the national fan to get to know him, not just the Niner fans. I don't know. But as a fan, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of the comments like that. And that was going to be a question that was going to proceed uh, to ask both Josh and Diego. And before Diego goes, Diego, do you support one of your star players having comments like that so publicly? Uh, no, I think, uh, you know, once you you wear a helmet for a team, specifically, you know, for the NFL, that you know, these, these teams are always going to be on the news. So you have to be careful with what you say. And so, yeah, in this case, I wouldn't support it. Great, Diego. Diego, I know you need a split. We appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, he is the one of Thanks, guys. one of many to come on, guys. So if you want to jump on, uh, please come on in. And I think Charlie is bouncing too. Charlie? No, I was saying bye to Diego. Oh, then bounce back. <laughs> I'm going to bounce my hey, Diego. Right, that back. I appreciate Good to have you, guys. Brother. Later, man. Take amazing. care, brother. Glad, glad to have you on board in the FFF, man. Anytime, man. Thank you. Later. Josh, if this was Max Crosby saying that, after having a good year, now he doesn't have the, the, the stellar years that Charlie just described for us that the safety in, in San Francisco has had. Do you support talking the talk if they can walk the walk? I do. Um, I do think it adds fuel to the fire, but that's what a rivalry is all about, right? Um, that's what that's what makes the rivalry sweet and good to watch. You add another element. Where, what, where I kind of don't disagree or what I disagree with Ward is I think maybe he's kind of prisoner in the moment because he's remembering Matthew Stafford under incompetent coaching. And yes, Charlie did allude that McVeigh has yet to beat Shanahan for a bit, but come on, you're going to Sean McVeigh, one of the brightest head coaches in the NFL, and he's going to elevate Matthew Stafford. 
you know? So you're, you're, I think Ward's mentality is he's remembering the Matthew Stafford that couldn't get Detroit over the hump, but he is not factoring in the ineptitude of the coaching staff, you know, that never did anything with Matthew Stafford. Now, don't get me wrong. If Matthew Stafford completely sucks this year, which I find it hard, but if he completely bombs it, then, then Jamie has a point, but come on, bro. You know, Matthew Stafford is a really good quarterback and you cannot compare Jared Goff because it wasn't Jared Goff. It's it. I think we understand that now. It wasn't Jared Goff's ability to throw the football or play quarterback that got the Rams to a Super Bowl. It was that great defense led by Wade Phillips and that great offensive mind led by Sean McVay that got the Rams to the Super Bowl. It wasn't Jared Goff's play. So I think that's where Ward is missing the point. So as a head coach, do you get Jimmy Ward and say, hey, let's let's tone it down a little bit? Or do you say, encourage it, take that mentality onto the field? I think you keep, I think you, at this point, he said it, you can't backtrack and you can't become a different player. So and as a coach, I think you just said it, back it up and, and you know, I want you to have that same passion. Yeah, you have to. I do think you sit down with him and say, "Hey, you better back it up now because they're 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 not only going to go after you, they're going to go after all of us." And and Stafford is going to, you you know damn well Sean McVay is going to come out and game plan a fifty yard pass, a, a fifty attempt passing game for for Stafford. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. But Josh put it right on the dot. Don't you and, and, and Yanko, Josh Yanko, you both agree that Stafford was a completely better quarterback the moment uh, Calvin Johnson left. The moment oh, he no longer had tunnel vision. It, it, I mean, put this Matthew Stafford in those early Calvin Johnson years, and we might not have Aaron Rodgers as successful as he is because I think that team would have been so much better. He was young. He wasn't as good. Now he's a lot better. Yeah, I, I don't know. And maybe that's a really, really bold take, but that's just how much I've seen Stafford be way, way better. I don't think it's bold. I think it's reasonable to think that. And with experience comes uh, better play and, and better approach and better takes on the field. And all we can say is that statistically, Matthew Stafford is going to be and continue to be good, especially under the tutelage of a, a better head coach. In this case... He got to see a good version of Jared Goff as part of the system. Now Jared Goff is going to, on the counter side of it, going to have to prove himself in Detroit to kind of weather the storm with a new head coaching. But all great takes, all good points. Interesting note, just to kind of wrap up going around the NFL. Did you guys see that Peyton and Eli Manning are going to headline an yeah. alternate Monday night football telecast? I've said it on this podcast I'll say it again. I do not like the mainstream main guys that they put out for Monday Night Football. Booger, Booger, whatever his name is, Booger Hollywood or whatever, and the other guys from Monday Night Football. I don't think it's been the same since John Gruden left the booth. I think John Gruden was one of the top guys ever do Monday Night Football. And uh, was it Mike Tirico that accompanied him? I think they had, a, they had a great dynamic. The reason I say that is because Peyton and Eli... If you've had any chance to see Peyton's places, if you've seen Peyton and Eli do the older DirecTV commercials, they're brothers, they're comedic, 
Not only that, but they're both two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks that are going to bring a dynamic to viewers who tune into this at, at a level that maybe what we're already have already seen with Tony Romo. I like it. I'll tune in. I'll check it out. What do you guys think? Other than the fact that Moko McFarland, he wasn't on the he wasn't on the on the cast last year, right? He was back on the no on last the year. Point. Last year was uh, Greasy, Louis Riddick, uh, and the dude from Sports Center, which I forget his name. I actually liked it last year. Um, I think it was a I huge was upgrade from bad. from Booger McFarland and the other guy who was there. Um, but yeah, I mean it's. It's a different perspective, right? When you add, but you see, that's the other thing too. I think, um, th I think this has always been around, right? Uh, very successful players uh, turn into commentators or analysts. I don't think it ever works though. Not all the time. It's not automatic. Oh, you want a Super Bowl? Oh, you're going to be a great commentator, right? Um, I think recently we've seen that a little bit more uh, of people or ex-players trying to make that transition, but that it, it doesn't necessarily work all the time. I'm not saying that it's not going to work for the Mannings, but if they add a different perspective or they add to the game in a way that Tony Romo has, it elevates a commentary and it, it gives a different perspective. Um, if my team is playing, I don't care who's commentating. Yes. Is there some that I hate? Yes. Dan Fouts being one Chris of them. Chris Collinsworth. Um, but I don't for the most part, yeah. You know what? I, I, I actually want to, contrary to 99% of human beings on earth, I think, that hate Chris Collinsworth. I'm not as much of a hater of Chris Collinsworth really as, as the majority of people are. But one point that I was going to mention was I'd like to know who the commentator, the actual commentator would be because would Tony Romo be as good as Jim Nance was in next to him? Mm -hmm. Would a lot of these players be as good as, as, because let's be real. Do you put you put a random commentator who might not be as good and their chemistry not, might not sound as good their analytical points might not sound as good and the and there, there might just be absolutely no chemistry so i who knows who knows i'm, I'm not sure I, I i'm definitely going to tune in i saw that it was going to be on espn plus so that kind of i, I don't want to be on a delay i'd rather be watching it live just because i tend to have friends who text the plays <laughs> two seconds after they happen so i would probably avoid that but it, it's it's interesting Maybe it's it's ESPN's way of kind of putting their foot in the water and just testing to see if these guys are good and if they are, then we'll move them up to the majors in a couple of years. And I think it's a it's a it's a jab, a professional one, not directly at the current Monday Night Crew, but if this turns into be a good experiment, they might make them into the main guy, stream guys. Uh, one of the last things that I caught was, did you guys know that he King Henry? rushing for over 2K rushing yards last season, didn't have any Pro Bowl linemen this year. I thought that was staggering. That is that is really impressive. That's a really cool stat, Yanko. Wherever you got that, that my was, hat's off to you. That one that, that might one, be, that might be the biggest stat we've had at the CYJ podcast. I ain't going to lie. Well, That's impressive. Well, you know where I got it? I got it on Gridiron, Bleacher Reports Gridiron. But as I continue... On to my Yanko Yeet. I'm going to talk about BR Gridiron. I follow them. I see what they post. And they have sometimes good content like what I just talked about. And then some of their content is super random. And there was some contact, 
content publicized on their social media feed one day ago that kind of ticked me off. That made me want to get this post and eat it out of my phone, out the window. What was that? Well, they brought up a picture that was, it's great graphics. And if it was an action-packed movie trailer, then perfect. But the picture that they posted is two. The main picture, it's a Legion Stadium on fire with a Legion Stadium sign crashing down. Outside in the forefront, you have Derek Carr talking to Coach Gruden and walking away with some swagger after lighting and blowing up Allegiant Stadium, Patrick Mahomes. Why? Why the randomness to post this and to break? Who? What? What is Bleacher Report's BR Gridiron's division purpose? They go Patrick Mahomes' career versus the Raiders, five and one. True, fifteen touchdowns. Very true. Two rushing touchdowns, very true. Three interceptions, also true. A total of 1,800 yards, very true. However, I that's in the past, and you've beaten the Raiders barely once in the Legion Stadium. Once. You went 5-1, and one, yes, but five of those games were in Oakland. I'm not saying that the stadium would have made a difference. I'm not saying, but the randomness, four of those games, the randomness of this post really got my blood boiling. As a fan, as a follower, the randomness of this, why, why are they hating with no content in the middle of July? Maybe it's because of that. There's nothing else to do. And the only way I'll continue to follow these guys is if they could, they post, at least for other teams, make it even. Why didn't they show Tom Brady blowing up Gillette Stadium? He hasn't played there. This guy only, Patrick Mahomes, only played there once. I said that there was two images, the second one, and this is one that went pretty viral when the Raiders played the Chiefs towards the end of the season last year was Derek Carr looking like Sid from Toy Story, looking over, sitting down on the bench, and you could tell that he was competitively angry. This week's Yanko's Yeet was a little bit of turmoil because of fandom. Hey, BR Gridiron, Bleacher Reports Gridiron, put up some better content. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. It's so it random. It does. It re. It just. It brings out the fact that I keep saying it over and over and over. And I consider Bleacher Report now social media. I really do. To how it started, bro. Back in the day, Bleacher Report was legit. I mean, it was cool. It was. You got good info. Nowadays. Anything that has to do with social media and sports is stupid. It's 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 stupid. There's no real content anymore. There's no real news. Everybody's a GM. Everybody knows everything. And I guess that's a, that's that's. Not they probably have got some place. social media kid running this page. Yeah. Your report, which is a subdivision of right, and yep. he must be a a Chiefs fan or a Raider hater. That's all I've got to say about that. But. All right, guys, I'm, 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 I'm running close on my time. I'm having to go, so let's let's get into some of the fantasy good stuff. That's where, exactly that I where I was going. That's Beautiful. That's exactly where I was going. And I know Josh wanted to touch on the later rounds. Who do you pick in the later rounds? But while he brings that information up, I wanted to bring out something that I sent to our 
group chat during the week that I thought was a little, I was a little bewildered by it. I was a little taken back by the fact that ESPN ranked the top five tight ends. And at number five overall in the league was Hawkinson in Detroit. Now, a tight end is a direct product, I think, of your quarterback. If Stafford is still there, yeah, he's a top five tight end. Do you guys think that this dude is a guy that you pick in your fantasy league to fill after? Obviously, we're talking about the big names off the, off the top, right? Kittle's gone, Waller's gone, Kelsey's gone, and Andrews in Baltimore is gone. Who are the other four? Is Hawkinson that high of a guy with Jared Goff there? What do you think, Charlie? I see, I see Josh nodding emphatically no. And I'm going to go opposite and say yes. But oh. not because, not hear me out. Not because I feel that he is an absolutely stud, can't miss prospect. I, I do think he's he's really really good. But isn't it true also that tight ends are quarterbacks' best friends? And many times when quarterback their, their safety blanket is going to be that tight end. I think Jared Goff is going to lean on him a lot. Strate- strictly speaking, fantasy. I'm not talking that they're going to go on to be the next uh, Tony Romo, Jason Witten kind of duo. No, no, no. But other than the fact that he's going to be throwing him the ball that many times and stating that, man, we all know it. Fantasy land for tight ends is a dumpster fire. Yeah, it's pretty so barren. I would, feel, I, I would feel pretty decently confident that Hawkinson is going to get his fair amount of targets per game. And if I could see him get five targets in a game, and that's my fifth tight end overall in the league. I'm not really hating on that because I don't like a lot of the other names after. So I'm not necessarily saying, wow, what a player. But I'm saying I don't like what's after him that much, if that makes any sense. I think there's a couple of guys that you can debate for. Like the guy in Washington, who his name tends to elude me, that tight end. The guy in Green Bay, who had his come out here, was it Tanyan, this last year. I think with that coming back in Dallas, their tight end uh, could could make a cause for himself. Heck, even if if you're getting into the later rounds in your fantasy football league, I would even take a look at Jared Cook in Los Angeles with uh, Matthew Stafford there. Kind of just running along the same point that you said, Charlie. He's new. Matthew Stafford's new to the system. He can maybe lean on this guy. Uh, he's a veteran guy, and he. I think he's better than Jason Witten, what he was towards his later years. I think Jared Cook still has a little bit left in the tank. But that that's where my point really being is that's where your tight end for fantasy starts blurring. The lines start kind of kind of going through. Josh, what, what say you? No, nah, man. Um, I do see, think, I, I don't agree with what Charlie said. I do see his point. But if that, I know it's apples to oranges, but if that were the case, then he would have elevated Reynolds and Higby and everybody else. Um, I know he doesn't have a lot of weapons maybe in Detroit, like how he had it at LA with, with the Rams, but who knows? I, I mean, I know that's the, that's the situation, right? Quarterback's best friend is a tight end. But if that were true for fantasy purposes, how many more tight ends would we draft higher, right? Just look at the case with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, they have two great tight ends, but do you consider them stellar? No. Uh, consider the tight end that went with Atlanta last year that was going to be the heir apparent for Austin Hooper. He didn't have such great production. Uh, the other tight end that the Broncos got. I mean, 
if we use that logic and I know all quarterbacks are different, but um, look, Locke of all people would have thrown a lot to Fant because that's his closest target. But I don't think that sometimes that, that, uh, what do you call it? Not that that mindset, but I don't think that ever translates. It's really hard, right? It's really hard to play any position in the NFL, let alone a tight end because you're asked, I think Charlie mentioned the last pot. It, you gotta, you gotta block as a lineman, uh, run routes or catch the ball as a receiver and, you know, be athletic like a running back. So it, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Um, and if Hawkinson wasn't that guy with Stafford there, what makes us think that he's going to be like that with Goff? And for all we know, right, maybe he's, that's the only target he has, and that's where he'll be going through all the time. But I, I, I don't agree. Real, real quick, before, before, just quick, wouldn't it be safe to say, though, that Goff was handicapped a little bit by McVay as well, though? That McVay is the type of system where it has to go a specific way. So it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the screenplay to Woods. It's the screenplay to Cup. Because he, I, from what I saw, mm-hmm. he had the shortest passes in, in, in the NFL by far. So sometimes it was already premeditated where the ball was going to go. So maybe in a system where he's able to go, that again, this is all just speculation. And that's mainly why I feel, I feel he's no longer going to be his handicap. So it wouldn't even shock me to see him go off and actually be the quarterback that he was drafted to be. Who knows? In the words of you, Charlie, I like it. I like it. So and yes, sir. Because we had uh, some fantasy football, uh, we're still going to keep rolling with it. But we're going to do some rapid fire questions real quick for fantasy football. That way, uh, Charlie can take care of some other duties that he needs to take care of. We appreciate you coming on. So let's. I'm just going to ask the questions, Josh, Charlie. Those are to you, and all I need is a yes or no answer. And what this is, it's predicting this year's biggest breakouts, right? For fantasy. This year's biggest breakouts. All right. And here's a handful of players. Player number one, Joe Burrow, quarterback, Cincinnati Bengals. Does he have a breakout year in fantasy? What say you, Charlie? No. Josh? Offensive line. Oh, yeah. Offensive line. You're on mute, bro. Yeah. I mean, consider a breakout. What's a breakout? Better stats than last year? Better stats than last year. And got injured. Viable fantasy. Just we're talking yeah. fantasy wise. Yeah. Okay. So 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 you're not saying become a can't miss star for fantasy is what you're saying. You're just saying get better than last year. Breakout. Yeah. A breakout season. Not going to okay, take okay, over okay, okay, the okay. likes of. Okay. But just a breakout. Okay. So maybe. so a guy you can start in a need if you have to. Let's 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 go with that. A guy you can start. I would say that. Okay. I can see that. Uh, a guy that I predicted last week, Jalen Hurts. Is he a guy you pick up on a waiver wire or to fill out your bye week in a breakout moment that he may have? Yes or no? Absolutely. Yes. J.K. Dobbins. Absolutely. No Mark Ingram. I like the fact that there's no Mark Ingram there. It was a three-way horse last year. Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, and him. I like it. No, I think he's going to regress. Okay. CEH, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. We talked about it last week. Is, does he have a breakout season? Yes. Yes. DeAndre Swift, running back Detroit Lions. 
it'll be an upgrade from the first 10 weeks of the season, but it'll be a regression from the final six. Brandon, a you? Oh, sorry, Josh, you said no already, right? No, no. Okay, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, San Francisco. Upgrade. All right, Josh. Yeah. Here's an interesting one. Deontay Johnson, wide receiver, Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, because his name isn't really that big, let me just give you a little bit of background on this guy. Has been breakout adjacent, according to what I'm reading. 923 yards receiving in 2020, and for much of the season, he looked like part of the team's best wide receiver. Does he have a breakout season with Juju coming back anyway and with Chase Claypool potentially also having a breakout season? This would be wide yes. receiver three. Yes? I think he's he's going to be wide receiver one by the end of next year. Ooh. I like it. Peters always produce good receivers, man. Um, but not to say that the other two aren't going to be good, but I just but I, I, but I think Claypool has a better season. If no, also if Johnson could fix his drops, that's key too. That's for true. A big deal. That's true. I forgot about that point. Noah Fant tight end and Denver Broncos. We just finished talking about tight ends. Does Noah Fant become relevant in fantasy if you need to pick up a tight end? Not as long as Drew Locke is quarterback. Or Petty. Correct. If Another... Rodgers is traded last second, then he becomes a top three tight end. Oh, I mean, <laughs> now we're having a whole podcast based on that alone. Dallas Goddard, tight end in Philadelphia. Yes. Yes? Josh? No. All right. And that's the list that I have. I tried to sprinkle in a couple of no names some tight end heavy just to talk and continue the tight end subject in itself trying to give our listeners some fantasy forecast just in case you find yourself in the tight All spot right. with your I, tight end this <laughs> is randomly ran i like what you did <laughs> <laughs> random fantasy question and this is related to the fff we have fff listeners and they've been asking me this question so Ask it to you, two experts. In a league where you have to draft one defensive individual player, when do you start thinking about that player? Without giving too much, just when do you start considering taking this player? In regards to drafting one? In regards to drafting one. Do you draft one? I'm going to answer it like this. At the same time that you start thinking about defense and a kicker, that's when you consider a defensive player. And that could be a different That's up to every individual person, answer. but that's where you categorize them. Right. Okay. I don't draft on draft day a defensive player. If I had to pick a okay. defensive player, I don't draft I one on draft day. I thought you were on draft, draft period. I was like, are you going to be on auto pick? Because I'm about to <laughs> Yeah, it's the computer the all league. the time. Yeah, I've been winning on auto-generated picks. No, I don't draft a defensive. If I need to start one as part of the uh, league setup for my weekly team, I don't draft one on draft day. Okay. So, okay. that That's perfectly fine. And my strategy goes pretty much in between both of yours. If it's the late rounds and that player that I know is going to produce ridiculous, then yeah, I'll probably consider it. 
but yeah, same, same idea as, as what Josh mentioned and the ankle in between. So just a question that I wanted, just cause some guys have been asking me on that. They've never done it before. So I figured we'll throw it out there. And Josh and Yanko have a third person Yanko. Josh and I <laughs> have actually played in leagues with defensive players. And I think that's a topic yeah, that so, we can, we can too. discuss for sure. But me Charlie, too, too. I think, uh, we're not going to hang out for too long, but I think you need to depart. Yeah. So thank you. I, I mean, you're actually giving me a few extra minutes. So I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me join in guys. It's been a really hectic Monday. Real quick tidbit. Tomorrow is the big launch. I've been working nonstop every single day going to Van Horn. Uh, with, not as much as, as my good brother-in-law, Mr. Juanito. Um, tomorrow's the big launch at Blue Origin in Van Horn, Texas. So if you guys get a chance, 8 central time, it's going to be launching. And it's a big deal. So we'll see how that Bezos goes. Bezos is flying, right? That's Bezos', Bezos billionaire into space. Just like what uh, the Virgin Mobile guy did. Right. Yeah, man. Except better. But yeah. Oh, nice. Ah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Someone has some yeah, Amazon just... stock. Yes, sir. <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks I... again for, for letting me be here. And there's Charlie. Yeah, by next week, a lot of these things are settled down. So we'll see you guys we'll next do, week. Bro. Guys. Thanks again. Have a good one. Later, All Charlie. Right. You too, guys. Bye. Continuing the fantasy talk, I think it would be in our best interest to wait for Charlie next week to round out. Uh, the bottom half of what we would consider and, and what we were going to talk about today, guys, uh, for whoever's listening. And Josh is the one that came up with this awesome idea was to talk about players that you pick up towards your later rounds. You've already filled in your key spots on your roster. And now you're looking for those players that might be your sleepers, your those dark horse players that you fill in. Josh just talked about it where you start thinking about your defense Maybe if you're in the league with a defensive player, a kicker, do you pick one up? Do you not pick one up? Is that kind of in the realm of thinking that you were approaching, Josh? Yeah, sort of. Um, I think the other chunk, too, is um, towards the end and then also kind of towards the middle, right? There, there could be a, a bunch of different factors, how many teams um, your league has. Uh, that obviously determines how many rounds. Uh, but a lot of the times, the leagues are one, right? Besides drafting, trading, and free agency uh, or waiver wire pickups. But in the middle of the rounds, right? That's where you get the most value. Yeah, We all know who's going to go in the first round. There could be a couple of weird outlier uh, people that are overthink it and they overdraft the player. But I think for the most part, man, it's in, in that middle to late rounds that you start to get kind of your value, right? Yeah. And those are the players that if they hit, uh, that's kind of what separates you or right when you're making that playoff push, that's when that value kicks in, right? And, um, and it also makes your team a little bit deeper and you get more bargaining chips for trades. So that, and especially if you're in a keeper league, I'm going to use your example, Josh. You picked mm -hmm. up Justin Jefferson in the later round, right? Correct. That doesn't mean that there won't be the equivalent of a career year that a player just joining the league or a player that is filling in that kind of fell through your draft board in your league that you pick up and now you keep them. So let's say, let's use Justin Jefferson as an example. You've picking up in the eighth, ninth round and he has the year that you have or he had. That definitely helps you in a keeper league. Interesting note uh, on a keeper league. I was talking to a coworker today 
And in their league, they do have a keeper league, but the player that you're going to keep, you only get to keep one. Mm-hmm. And if you keep him, you're sacrificing your first round, regardless wow. of who that is. So different takes on keeper leagues. I'm not sure I would keep a guy unless it's one of very many few. Alvin, Christian, Derek, Henry, not Carr. Yeah. Uh, you see what I did there? And maybe Aaron Rodgers. Maybe, because the quarterback is kind of still a little It's, it's interesting, man, because everybody has um, different takes. Um, I know... I know it hasn't been written in stone yet, but the commissioner was trying Gilbert um, because uh, FFF isn't going keeper till next year because he expanded the the season or the the league. But I know uh, Princesita, uh, commissioner in Chuco, was saying that um, in order to uh, eliminate those that would always repeat the same player over and over again, it's almost like an example, right? So last year, you said it, I drafted Justin Jefferson in the 11th round. Huge bargain. Um, Let's say Justin Jefferson has another terrific year this year, and I try to keep him again. Well, since this year I'm keeping him, my 11th round pick is forfeited. Next year, if I keep him again, then you go three slots down. So then from 11th, you go to eight. And then every year, it's that. So that way... It's it's not like a repeat, right? Like always, oh, well, I'm only getting an 11th pick out of him, so I'm just going to stick with him. Because what Got if it. he turns out to be like Megatron or something, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, or D- D-Hop or Devante. So I, I guess there's little nuances that um, the commissioner can do to, you know, eliminate that sort of thing. Uh, but even at that, man, there's always perspectives for everything. Everybody has a different perspective on what to do with a keeper. Uh, you know, sure. If it's some people are in the moment and only see, they don't see past the first round, wherever the first round pick is from last year. Well, depending on value and where I draft this year, then I'm going to choose to keep them or not. Right. But to me, it's, it's, it's more than that. Right. But that's the interesting part. Everybody has their own different kind of take, uh, to what a keeper is and, and what are the, what are the, what do you call it? The, not the credentials, but what it is that you need to do in, in order to to do the keeper or to keep that player as a keeper. Yeah, so whatever the boundaries are, whatever the limitations are, and rules set up for being in a keeper league, it's something that varies, and it's something I'm excited for. Uh, food for thought for people listening in regards to fantasy and being in a fantasy league. One of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, fundamentals in a fantasy league is your commissioner. If you don't have a stable commissioner, if you don't have a commissioner that takes the role, not necessarily extremist seriously, but at least is invested enough to have a little bit of forethought and afterthought about things and how you can improve or things to add wrinkles to make the league more interesting, more competitive, more interactive, kudos. That's a guy that you need to stick with and that's a guy, that's a league that you need to stay in. If you're in a league that if you're last, you get kicked out, then that's something that even impels you more to stay in that league. I've been in some leagues where it's I've had some trash commissioners, and I've been in some leagues where I've had and still have really good commissioners. So if you're in one, you recognize one real quick, stay in it, keep it, and contribute. Contributing to your league is key to having a good, and I don't mean to sound like Dr. Phil or anything, but it's 
key to having a good morale and a good spirit within your league. But there's nothing like having a good draft day and then all of a sudden it plummets because there's nothing on the message boards. There's nothing in our interactive and there's nothing going on other than transactions that you see being posted on your league uh, dashboard. So interact, play along, stay relevant. And if it's not something that you want to do, why are you playing fantasy football anyway? Exactly. Uh, one of the exactly. last topics that I, I want to hit, Josh, is the most underrated NFL free agents still available ahead of training camps. I think there's some solid names that are still out there, and I want to put those out there uh, so that we can make our players aware because some of these players are going to have potential fantasy impact. And this will kind of just put a bow on today's podcast. Uh, first, one of those was Richard Sherman after his little debacle this weekend. And if you've seen the viral video of where he's trying to tackle a door basically at his in-laws house, it kind of <laughs> goes to show you that some of these guys are a little, uh, how should I say it? They're a little crazy. They're a little crazy. I was going to try to use a comic metaphor, but they're, they're just a tad crazy. These are guys that are used to getting their way. These are guys that are competitive. They're fierce. And although he came out to have an apology, I could never imagine myself in any circumstances performing or acting the way he did inside of outside of anyone's house, much less my in-laws house. So let's move him out of the equation as free agents. Uh, one notable mentions, David DeCastro, underrated ver uh, veteran. Maybe he'll fall somewhere this season or even next season. And Justin Houston. But let's focus on a couple of offensive linemen, starting with center Austin Ryder. He was with the Chiefs. They cut him uh, not too, not too, uh, how should I say it? Once the season was over, it was one of the quicker cuts. All right. We were, I was a little surprised by it. Josh, were you a little bit surprised by the cut that Casey made? And cutting their yeah, center. Yeah, it, it seemed. I mean, they. I know they retooled their entire entire offensive line to a certain degree, right? Um, but yeah, that that came. It almost seemed that thirty <laughs> were counting down the days, right? Yeah, and it was deuces, bro. So according to this website, and again, I'm leaning on Bleacher Report. They think that the best fit for this guy would be the Cincinnati Bengals, and I think it makes complete complete sense, being that the offensive line in Cincinnati needs some work. Right. Here's another guy, linebacker, KJ Wright. I'm surprised he hasn't signed. Do you see him maybe, and let's get a little fandom, do you see him as maybe a fit in Las Vegas? That he could bring something to the table in Las Vegas? I think so, man. I just think um, Vegas hasn't pulled the trigger because maybe Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator now, um is wanting to work with what he has or maybe he feels that he can elevate the two prize free agents that we got last year uh Kwiatkowski from Chicago and of course yeah. um a Littleton from the Rams and then you sprinkle in Morrow so maybe he feels strong uh strongly about those three players um but I think KJ Wright is a, is a veteran uh he obviously knows how to win he was overshadowed a lot by the fact that he played alongside Bobby Wagner Correct. One of the best linebackers, middle linebackers in, in, in the football right now. But he's a good piece. Um, but it is, don't you find it a little bit ironic that it's, what, about a month 
I mean, for sure, weeks away from training camps and, and preseason. And some of these guys still have not signed. So it's cause for concern. The same thing how I felt, you mentioned it right now about Richard Terman, right? Smart player, um, veteran is one. But beside, before the incident, he was yet to sign. And there was always these rumors that San Francisco to welcome him back. Seattle will welcome him back. Uh, and nothing Nothing really like materialized. And you can throw Vegas into that mix of yep. potentially. Gruden said it, right? Yeah. Gruden was gaga. A little bit of tampering. tampering right? right. But that never materialized. He had the chance to go get him and it, it never it never amounted to anything. Interestingly enough, this is a guy that I thought would have been signed before Melvin Ingram. This is a guy that played yeah. 86% of uh, the defensive snaps last year for Seattle. According to Bleacher Report, again, their best fit is that he stays in Seattle, which Seattle. I would agree. Yeah, sounds about right. A little bit of a fantasy sleeper if he signs with the team. Wide receiver D.D. Westbrook. He was with Jacksonville. This is a guy who, in only seven games as a rookie, was able to post 1,300 yards. We're talking about a kid who, you know, his season got derailed in 2020 because he tore his ACL. You take a flyer on Westbrook if you're a wide receiver needy team? Sure. I tell you which one, maybe it's on your list, but there's a couple that I would eye just because of the veteran presence. And I think it's not, they're not that same player anymore, but I think you can get something out of them. One defensively, Geno Atkins. Um, yeah. I would, I would severely consider him. Like he, he was a really good player, a nose tackle in Cincinnati for a really long time. Um, he was in that mainstream name that we were accustomed to, but I still think he can, these are maybe some of those players that they're awaiting injuries at training camp and perhaps are kind of waiting, like waiting to be signed. Um, so that's one. And another one too, that I find a little bit weird that he hasn't signed. Maybe you have him there. Maybe he signed already and kind of fell through the cracks, but Malik Hooker from the, the safety from the Colts. Um, so, I mean, you still have Everson Griffin, um, Trent Murphy, Kenny Vaccaro, Jeff Heath, Jeff Heath is unsigned. Yeah. He got uh, cut by the Raiders earlier. Right. Um, Quan Short, um, PJ Hall, Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley. Uh, a lot of these people, right. It's crazy. Just a few years back, Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell were going at the Getting top of contracts and fantasy. And fantasy galore, and and now look at look at them. So a so lot Mal of a lot of players. Malik Hooker is the free safety, as you alluded to, uh, in in Indianapolis. He's twenty five. Yeah, that's what's crazy. Right? Had a they the Colts declined his fifth year option, and he's still an unrestricted free agent. Definitely one of the bigger catches out there. I think at mm -hmm. at his position. For a team that needs him. Uh, just to touch and put a bow on a D.D. Westbrook. In a wide receiver, happy pass attack, I think. And I agree with uh, the information here. His best fit would be Atlanta Falcons. Kind of just mm -hmm. filling that wide receiver three role. And have him play for a year. Another safety, Trey Boston. He played with Carolina. This is a guy that, big hitter. I remember him playing always in that backfield. Notably because he has these really long dreads. Yeah, and so his work, his work in Carolina isn't something to scoff at. Played eighty-five percent of the defensive snaps last year, but 
a place that might make sense for him? New England Patriots. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And the last guy that I wanted to bring up was running back Duke Johnson. He has yet to find a mm -hmm. team. Now, Duke Johnson isn't Todd Gurley or he isn't Le'Veon Bell in terms of names, but he still has the better of an ability to fill in the role of a running back too, maybe even a, a gadget guy that you can bring onto your offense. Do you remember him playing in Houston? I do. He he was a he was kind of not as small, but he was very Darren Sproul esque. Yes. Um, yes. He was a he was a gadget guy. You know what? It's kind of it's kind of crazy, man. But see if you remember two of your boys. Number one, I don't know if you remember. Well, this is not one of your boys, but Quan Alexander. He's twenty seven, and he has yet to find a job. Middle linebacker. Interesting. Was a big thing a while back. Was traded to San Francisco. Um, got paid that big contract. Um, and then part, I think after, before that he played at Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then two of your boys, Gary on Conley and DJ Hayden, our boys, our boys, they're Interesting. still free agents. You know, I, I was never really a fan of DJ. I think he went too high, uh, when he, they drafted him. I think it was out of Houston. He yep. never really performed to what he was supposed to be. That was Turd Face's first first round pick. <laughs> Can you tell the fans His who Turd Face is? <laughs> uh, General McK uh, General Manager of the Raiders, Reggie McKenzie. <laughs> yes. Google it, and you'll see what I'm what I'm talking about. And yeah, Gary on Conley, man, pick, I think bro. I think that's just one of the one of the other decisions that the Raider royalty at at the time just kind of whiffed on. You know? Let's hope that Arnett is not heading there, but all Arnett, evidence points to perhaps him yes, will be the yes. next Although Gary he has Conley. up in the offseason. Ironically, but also anyway, from the University of Ohio State. Yeah, I don't know what our affixation as a Raiders organization is with Ohio State cornerbacks. But interesting note, this just came in as I started to continue to look. Ex-Colts defensive back Malik Hooker is visiting with the Steelers. So, huh? maybe another eye, you add to the Iron Curtain, a little bit of uh, a catapult position for his career if he takes a flyer in Steelers. And it also says that he's visited with the Dolphins. So, nice. interestingly enough, two teams that have a lot of defensive-minded uh, coaches that have had good... Good starts, or at least not good starts, but at least good history. Think that's the word I was looking for. Good history uh, with defenses. Josh, I and think eight. I think we were able to cover a lot this weekend. That wasn't too wasn't too much fantasy. We talked a lot of fantasy last week, so this week we were able to kind of go around the NFL and touch base on a little bit of fantasy. Right? No, it was good. It was good. Um... I definitely think we had a. It, it was it was cool having Diego over, um, and there's more to come. More fantasy. We're still a few weeks away, so we'll start hitting it, you know, and Absolute. hitting it hard a little bit more and more perspective. And it definitely was enjoyable, Yanko. Absolutely, freaking lootly. Shout out again to Diego. I look forward to playing against him in the FFF. Charlie making the special guest appearance, although he's a staple of this podcast. We yep. like the fact that he was humble enough to 
say that he appreciated being on the podcast. Charlie, you're you're a staple here, man. You are the podcast, bro. No, no appreciation needed. Guys, thanks for listening this week. We will be back next week. And hopefully, if you want to be a guest on the show, just let us know. Gosh, peace. Have a good week. Everyone have a good week. We'll catch you all later. Later. <laughs>